Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode we're discussing the video games of 1992. I'm your host, Michael. My co-host, John, is on the other side. Hey there, hi there. Hey and there. video games is his presentation, so I'll let him take over and I'll hop in like a crazed rabbit. Yeah, so, yeah, 92 is definitely an interesting year because there's a lot of good stuff that dropped. Uh, not as much in the arcade, or at least not that I, not that was apparently notable. That doesn't mean there isn't anything, and we are definitely got something to talk about down the line. But first, uh, let's talk about a little bit of the businessy things in some uh, cases. Uh, Atari dropped all of its support for their 26 and uh, 7800 uh, consoles. <laughs> they waited that long? They waited that long? Oh my god! You know, it's like, granted, Atari isn't done with the console uh, game yet. But Holy yeah, they... shit! I'm just so flabbergasted by this. I mean, 7800 kind of makes sense because when did that come out? 88? Maybe? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but, but the fucking 2600 that was 12 years old, I think, by then. Yeah, and no one was buying it because everything had gone over to uh, Nintendo, and then now Super Nintendo and Genesis. Wow. But uh, speaking of Atari, uh, they got sued by Nintendo. Because they engaged in a little bit of copyright infringement uh, based on uh, Nintendo's uh, 10 NES lockout chip. Oh, was it the Tengen line? Uh, it, well, I didn't see which one of that was necessarily, but uh, basically it, the chip was a thing that restricted the type of software that could be played on their system. Atari went and claimed fair use. Oh, right. Okay, I remember this case, yeah. Yeah, but it basically turned out that uh, they were unable to just reverse engineer it. So they un un uh, obtained an unauthorized copy of the source code, and they just used it in their replicas. Oh my god, that's playing with fire and while you're covered yeah. in gasoline. <laughs> now, it's like, again, let's be honest. It is well known that Nintendo was and still is pretty draconic with what you can and can't do with your third-party content. Uh-huh. But uh, Atari just really is when straight up copied their shit so that's fucking crazy now there was a similar case uh which was sega versus accolade uh basically uh accolade had allegedly disassembled some genesis games to get the code that would let them sell unlicensed games on the genesis and they also uh, claimed uh, claimed fair use now sega won this and then uh basically they got Accolade to stop producing games for a while, but then Accolade appealed the case, and a second judge found in Accolade's favor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so throughout this little injunction to keep Accolade from producing games, uh, that, that was still going on. So they basically just kind of settled out of court. So apparently, if you're going to uh, screw around with copyright infringement, you better mess around with... Uh, it's only copyright infringement if you're messing around with hardware, not software. Apparently. Okay. But uh, I think we had mentioned this before, but this is the actual uh, time that Nintendo uh, and the Galoo uh, lawsuit based on the Game Genie. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's like it, it was like in 1990 because that Nintendo had the corpse uh, stop Galoo from selling it at that point, and then uh, basically Nintendo was kind of hoping that this. Uh, other case, Midway versus Arctic International was going to set uh, precedent because uh, Arctic had created some game uh, like speed up mods for Galaxian and circuit boards for a game called Puck Man. <laughs> you mean Pac Man? And, <laughs> and so Midway won this case because Arctic was basically 
really, really screwing around with things. But at the end of the day, since there are still game genies and that brand didn't die out, uh, the courts sided with uh, with Galoop, basically just kind of saying that, you know, it's cheating, sure. It's basically like fast-forwarding a movie, not really uh, doing any substantial modifications to any product. Did you ever use the Game Genie? I didn't. Yeah, uh, I didn't have any interest in either. My roommate did. Uh, he used it a lot on the... I remember, like, the... I want to say there was one for the Nintendo 64. Like, they continued yeah. for a while, but I, I never found any interest in it. Well, they, they kept going... The, like, Game Genie died out, but there were other ones, and I recall uh, that apparently some of these ones could actually fuck up your games. Whoa. Because it, cause it was starting to actually, like, uh, screw around with the game's code in itself. Oh, okay, okay. So it's like, yeah, you were, you know, plugging these things in and playing it through through your, you know, emulator, essentially. But yeah. You remember using some... patch codes on PC games? You never needed a, <laughs> a Game Genie? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I never... There were some things where some mods that I ended up using, like with Doom. Yeah, like, most all I think all of my codes and cheats or whatever with with Doom. But uh, let's see, there was the Philips CDI that came out. Oh my god! Yeah, now this isn't so much a video game system as it was a CD-ROM player you plugged into a TV. And I mean, most of the software for it was educational or at least edutainment. Now, it did come with, like, some internet functionality. So, effectively, it actually kind of was cheaper than a P- than buying a PC with the CD-ROM. That makes sense, yeah. But a PC could actually do more than uh, what uh, the Philips CDI could do. So, you know, what was the point? Uh, and they it ultimately kind of became... They were trying to push it like a game console. Because... And this is why it failed, because the game sucked yeah legendarily level of suckitude yeah okay this is the system that nintendo is the, is the only time that they really did this was license out some of their things so you, there was a couple of mario games on this and there are three zelda games that if you've been on the internet at any point and you've seen these broke ass weird looking uh <laughs> ms paint looking uh screenshots and uh, quote-unquote video that's that's what these are from are the Philips CDI Legend of Zelda games and wow <laughs> I mean just but uh, yeah basically it, it was crap games but it it wasn't cost-effective to be a video game console so it just it never really had an audience but uh, something that did have an audience was the Sega CD. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, people... Cause, okay, so do we already have the 32X? That came out, right? No, that comes out after the Sega CD. Really? What, what was the megabytes on the CD then? I thought the CD came after the 32X. That's weird. Well, it would have been, it would have been 32, I'm sure, but it was... Dude, what was the point of the 32X? <laughs> to sell people more but it does the same thing this is so stupid but basically yeah this thing was you know it, it had more storage space because it was running off a cd it could run full motion video and that's that is definitely one of the things that it had over 
the 32X. Yeah, I just, but why have cartridges after the CD? You stick with the CD. Because it was all about making your thing look oh, like it Lord. was from the future. Oh, my God. you got to remember, Sega is dumb. <laughs> I know. I just watched the documentary on Paramount Plus, and I read that book, Console Wars. Oh. Yeah. But there, the Sega CD had some really, really you know, amazing, notable titles. Because it did have Sonic CD. It had the Lunar Games, uh, Snatcher, Popful Mail, and... Um, there's one that we'll talk about a little bit later that also debuted in this. Uh, but basically, there are four games worth noting. One of which I'm I'm going to keep, uh, you know, keep to for a little bit later. But uh, three of them that I want to make note of are from the Make My Videos uh, franchise. Is that the Marky Mark and uh, NXS, Crisscross, and Marky Mark. Was there also CNC Music Factory? I feel like there was. Maybe I, maybe that came after. Okay. But uh, basically, for these games, if you really want to call them that, you had three songs to pick, and you could edit together a thing based on stock footage, band footage, something called special effects, and then other footage. And you basically created your own videos. <laughs> what was the other footage? Snuff films? <laughs> Uh, probably a little more entertaining than what they what they. This is us painting Mocky Mox abs on to make him look more sculpted. But uh, you got to give them note. These are shitty games, but you had to give them some credit for trying something new. Oh yeah, innovation was more important, I think, than the actual quality of the games. A lot of these, and that's why they failed. Yeah, and again, this was the beginning of full motion video games. There's. One of the debut titles was a game called Sewer Shark. It's Night not Trap. particularly. Yes, there was Night Trap too. That's you spoiled it. Sorry. We're gonna talk, we're gonna talk about that one a little bit later. Uh, well, here, how about uh, a peripheral that came off of the SNES? Didn't last too long, but uh, the Super Scope. That thing was a beast. It looked like a fucking bazooka, right? Yeah. And if you've seen the uh, Mario Brothers movie. That's the uh, devolution gun. All right, right. I hate that movie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, here's the problem. There weren't too many games made for it, and the uh, games that were made for it sucked. Wow. Heck, that's a surprise. Nintendo making a peripheral that they bail on pretty quickly, and the games mostly suck? That's new. <laughs> now, the personally, the only game I genuinely remember playing that was for that was the Super Scope 6, uh, which is the packet title. And I, when I was reading the descriptions of them, I genuinely did not remember what the games were. Like, I apparently it's like you had two menus to start with, and then each of these two menus had like three games in them. And I'm still going, okay, I think I was probably playing that second, the bottom set, because I think those were the ones I was like, the actual fun shooting games but uh yeah it's i i remember that the this the scope was never accurate and it's like i i don't pretend to be like i'm good at those type of games but law of averages i should have hit something more often than i did yeah but getting away from peripherals and businessy things how about some pc games shoot now 
Alone in the Dark. I don't know if you ever played uh, any of those titles. I don't, but I remember the shitty movies. Yeah, there was a movie based off this. A couple. Yeah. But uh, it's, well, technically not the first survival horror game. This is, the first Alone in the Dark is really the one where all the tropes really kind of, you can find it. Like, anything that you saw in, like, the Silent Hills, the Resident Evils, and all that really come from Alone in the Dark. And it's this weird Lovecraftian murder mystery where you're the, this uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes-looking dude, uh, and you're exploring a haunted house, and you're looking for the darkness that covers it. And it's a pretty non-linear game. And a lot of the creatures in it, you can't kill, so you actually have to outwit them, as opposed to trying to outfight them. Again, hence survival horror. And yeah, the franchise continued on, and they made quite a few of them. And the only ones that are really of any worth noting were the PC ones. Because everything after that was either a Resident Evil clone or worse than a Resident Evil clone. But one of the other, one of the big, big games that came out for PC was Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah, impossible to play now, though. It's ugly as shit. It's so pixelated. I, try, I, have, a, I have a console version of it. Um, I want to say it was a Super Nintendo. I'm not sure. Probably. It's probably. fun to play, but you can't tell what the fuck you're looking at anymore. I don't know how we were okay with this back then. It's so blobby. Well, because everything was blobby. And yes. Unlimited. I mean, you got... You're complaining about it, but at the time, this was the shit. This thing looked amazing. And uh, that's the thing. It's like, this is the game that basically is the foundation for all first-person shooters to come. It's a direct framework for all the uh, corridor shooters that basically kind of arose in between this and uh, its follow-up game that we'll talk about next year. Uh, but uh, you're the allied soldier B.J. Blaskowitz, and you have to escape the Nazi prison castle of Wolfenstein, and then ultimately fight Mecha Hitler. Because, <laughs> yeah, you fight Hitler, and he's in a, he's in a mech suit, he's got two Gatling guns. And it's a fucking violent game because, you know, you shoot people and the blood, you know, blood's going everywhere and they're like, ah, my even. <laughs> That's always what I hear. <laughs> and part of it is like, they, they also gave away, and this was like the, this thing sold amazingly, mostly because they gave away the first part of this game as shareware. Which was a new thing, right? Was this common? Yeah. Back then, wasn't yeah, wasn't that common that you would just give away parts of your uh, of your product for people to test out, and then, oh hey, here's a you know, give us a call, give us some money, and we'll get you the rest of the product. Usually because it was on the disc that you had. So yeah, it's you know, if you had a way to crack it, you know, you got your game for free. But you know, don't tell anyone. <laughs> but it's like I never played. On the PC, I never played the full version of this. I was really happy with the shareware version. Plus, again, 93 had a much bigger title to come out. But uh, also at the time, I was playing my Sega, so how would we talk about Echo the Dolphin? Ooh, what a beautiful game. This is a, yeah, this is amazing, like, 
it's a great concept that you, no one could ever get away with doing this again. Because you're a dolphin, and you have to do dolphin things like swim, and you can't you have sonar that can fuck with some creatures, and you can ram them. But it's you're a dolphin. Yeah, that's the unless the first person rocket launching shooter dolphin is never gonna happen again. Yeah, and it's like, and this is this is a game that is insane because there's time travel, and there's aliens that look like the xenomorph. It's. Really I never insane. got that far in the game, so I had no idea that was even. Wow. Yeah, it's like, yeah, the whole thing is like it, it begins off with all of Echo's friends and all his fishing in the ocean around him getting sucked up into space, and then you have to like, yeah, you go back in time, and you find out about them, and I forget how, but you end up on the uh, alien's mothership, and you fight a giant alien head at the end, and you like break out its eyes and you. Uh, dislocate its jaw and then you win. <laughs> but uh, let's see, uh, Kid Chameleon. I don't know if you ever played that. One. God, that did, uh, is that where you can change into other creatures or use yeah, their powers? Have, okay, yeah, I think I like played it. Seven or eight masks that you could transform into, and there's like 103 stages in the game. Which is one thing that they always made sure to tell you. Like this game is long. You had 100. You have a bunch of stages you can play through except you can only technically play about half of them because that's like kind of like how your your main path of the game is only like like 50 stages or so uh-huh. but there's other routes you can take throughout and other secret levels you can find but you had like these masks that you could find that could turn you into a sword swing samurai you have this uh, tank riding skull guy like a weird lizard dude all kinds of stuff and it gave you a lot felt made you feel like you had a lot of freedom because yes every time you find these masks it changes kind of how the game played so you kind of in a way spend a lot of time trying to uh figure out the uh your play style and puzzle your way through these stages using what felt good to you hmm. Now, uh, here's another one. Desert Strike. Ooh! Ooh, I love Desert Strike! Ooh, I love this whole franchise! This is the very first game I ever played on the Genesis was Desert Strike. Because there's Jungle Strike, Urban Strike, and Desert Strike, right? Yeah, Desert Strike being the first one. Because that was based on based on the little skirmish that is going on or just or had just ended in Iraq. Such a such a fun good game. It's more strategy than I think. It's a blow up game, but I mean it's mostly strategy and timing. You got to get to this 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 and time and you know don't uh, miss this and protect this and that kind of stuff. Yeah, because every every stage that you're on has specific uh, things that you had to do. So it was oh yeah, you need to rescue these hostages. You need to do this. You need to blow up this airfield. Okay, you got to attack this nuclear plant. You know, and, but you yeah you only had specific amount of time to do everything in and again it left it open for you you could do these things in whatever order that you uh, wanted to mm-hmm. you could look around for secrets find you know find power ups all that kind of shit it's it was definitely one of the best games made for the Genesis hands down I don't think it gets as much love as it should and that's a shame because yeah, it's like it spawned a franchise that also sadly kind of trailed off. 
But uh, one franchise that didn't necessarily trail off, Streets of Rage. And Streets of Rage 2 came out in 92. Did they, uh, did they reboot that just recently? Am I wrong? Yeah, they, yeah it's, Streets of Rage 4 came out uh, last, no, two years ago. And still plays like Streets of Rage feels. Okay, cool. But I'm assuming excellent graphics. Yeah, it looks it looks much cleaner than than all that look like a cell shaded version of what you get in this. But this is even with that uh, reboot version, this is certainly the best entry of the Rage series. When uh, one of the heroes for the first game gets kidnapped, you uh, Axel and Blaze must go after him with with uh, the guy's younger brother, who's named Skate, and he runs around on rollerblades. <laughs> How in 1992? <laughs> Was he a yeah. prior of the rollerblades? Oh yeah, and then you also have a pro wrestler friend of theirs named wow. Max, who was also in that. And he had uh, all like every character was given like character specific super attacks. It, they they beefed up every every aspect of it, and it it is probably one of the best brawlers ever. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, Final Fight's really good, Double like, the Double Dragons were really good. This saw every what everyone did before that and said, hold my beer, this is going to be, we're going to make this the game to play. And even when they tried to make, when they did their sequels, and again, even number four, they still can't match what two did. And finally, another two that came out, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Is this when they introduced Knuckles? This is not when they introduced Knuckles. Okay, I've only ever played the first Sonic, so I don't know much about the franchise. Sonic 2 is where they, where they bring in Tails. Okay, okay. A.K.A. Miles uh, Prower, which I did not realize until years later, because it's Miles Tails Prower is what is kind of like how he's cred- how the character's credited. Miles per hour. Ah! <laughs> yeah, I was a dumb child. But uh, basically, this is the sort of thing that if you're going to do a sequel, it's what you kind of want to do. You want to make the stages bigger. You want to make them, you know, you want to extend everything that you're doing with it. So there's even as much as there is lore in the Sonic franchise. It expands kind of the lore and what it is that is going on between Sonic and Robotnik and all that stuff. And I've never, this is, of all the Sonic games that I've played, this is the one I've never beaten. Because I get to that last boss and he just kicks the everly shit out of me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That sucks. Oh, it's a pain in the ass. And it's also really, really hard to collect all the Chaos Emeralds in this one. But if you do, it, in a move that is uh, stolen completely from Dragon Ball, uh, you turn into Super Sonic, which is a golden version of Sonic. Like the Super Saiyan from uh, Dragon Ball Z. I mean, almost literally one for one stole. Which at the time was cool, and then as you look back on it, you go like, God, that's really stupid. But uh, still not my favorite Sonic game. Sonic 3 is my favorite. 
But uh, a couple of Nintendo games. How about we talk about McKids or MC Kids? I don't know this one at all. Oh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. I just want okay. to bring, bring up the fact that, like Domino's had with Yo Noid, yeah. McDonald's had a shitty licensed game. You know the good set, a good food licensed game is that Seven Up Spot game. That was good. Yeah, for the Genesis. Cool spot. Yeah, it was surprisingly good. Uh, Kirby's Dreamland. It's a Game Boy game and the first game of the Kirby series. It is. It is. Really? Yeah. I thought Kirby Dreamland. started years before that. Okay. No. Uh, yeah, Kirby's a weird little pink balloon guy who uh, sucks up energy enemies and spits them out or absorbs them to gain their powers and uh, I mean he's a mascot the game was made for kids it's really fucking simple <laughs> uh, you know I will give it I'll give it some credit that the the Kirby design was supposed to be a placeholder for something better really wow and it just connected and yeah, they just kind of like, they couldn't A, come up with anything better, and B, kind of just liked the design in its simplicity, so it's like, alright, we got a character. And yep, that is, that is the character that some people probably only know because they play Smash Brothers. Maybe, I, that's probably its biggest exposure. Now, another game that uh, some people know a character only through, like, say, Smash Brothers and stuff, is Super Mario Land 2, The Six Golden Coins. Also for a Game Boy. It is not a very good Mario game necessarily, but it is worth mentioning because it's where Wario comes in. Oh, okay. I was wondering when he came into the series. I had no idea. I guess I was out of the loop when that happened. Yeah, he's, he's the nemesis in the game, and eventually he's the one who takes over the Mario World friend. Uh, the Mario Land franchise because for some reason people really fell in love with the fact that he was this crude purple Mario <laughs> and I still don't understand why people like him It's he's a terrible character uh, Contra 3 comes out for the SNES now Contra we've spoken about being one of the most well known most influential and most brutally difficult games ever. Contra 3 is really the best Contra game because you can actually fucking beat it. <laughs> so is this Super C? Or is that the one before this? That's the one before it. Okay. This is uh, Contra 3 The Alien Wars. It's the one where uh, if you've played it, very early on you fight a turtle that spews fire. There's a, uh, there's a fight where you basically fight a Terminator in a room where you have to have like uh, jump up and down on walls and climb and all that kind of stuff around and it has those mode 7 graphics where you're uh, basically playing smash TV against uh, creatures at, at oh, okay. it's it's a sick game like again for, for a franchise that's built around punishing you for wanting to play it this one at least says ah we'll throw you a bone good because that game is torturous even with 30 lives it's hard uh yeah I, no let's uh super mario kart now has nintendo's fourth best-selling game on the snes and 
basically the uh, the game that started the kart racing subgenre of racing yeah. games. Well, also, isn't this kind of... No, I guess it wasn't the beginning of the spinoffs. I forgot that there was Dr. Mario. But it does seem yeah. like that all of a sudden they're like, oh, everything we can attach the name Mario to. You know, every kind of sport, every event. Well, it's probably, of all the spinoff games, these are probably the best ones. Are, are they the highest selling, or is that still Mario Party? I'm sure Mario... No, Super Smash Bros. is probably the highest selling. Well, yeah, Super Smash Brothers would probably be one selling, but even then, that's not so much a Mario game. I like. I probably. I probably say a, a best best selling. God, would it be uh, Mario Party? Eh, you know what? I might. I might say Mario Party may be the better selling of the of those two franchises, but that's not based on me looking up or doing any research whatsoever. But uh, you get to pick one of eight Mario or Mario adjacent characters, because Donkey Kong's in it. And uh, now, this is kind of fucked up. All the characters have their own levels of acceleration, handling, and speed. Which, it, when I was reading, reading that and doing the little bit of research for this, I didn't remember that. So I looked up screenshots, and they don't fucking tell you that. <laughs> So if if it always felt like say Toad was faster than, uh, or you know like Toad was faster than everybody else, but uh, you know it's like Luigi handled better. Yeah, it wasn't your imagination. It was actually because they did. But no one bothered to tell anybody. Like, ah, but yeah, but, figure this out later. Yeah, you just had to figure out what worked best for you. But uh, basically. You, you drive you drive these tracks, you can pick up power-ups that you can use against other people. There was no demonic blue fucking shell to fuck with the leader of the race. Because <laughs> at that time, it was just having fun instead of uh, ruining friendships. But, uh, yeah, Mario Kart. I, I don't think it's the best of the games, but it's definitely one of my more favorite ones of that franchise. Because that that franchise went to shit pretty quick. Did it? I didn't know that. Well, they they started doing like the uh, double dash where you had care you know two characters on a cart that you could swap between. That's weird. And yet I forget like sixty four wasn't all that good. And I but that's mainly because everything about the sixty four sucks. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's I remember there's a few of those games that just I stare at and I know those are some people's favorites. And those people are wrong. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, last one for the uh, SNES. Probably one of my favorite... Not my, not my absolute favorite game of, of, the, of the whole uh, system, but uh, of its of, not of genre, of its uh, line. Definitely my favorite game of it. Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. I mean, seriously, this is the last Zelda game I genuinely liked until Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I haven't played anything since... I don't think I've... Since, uh, what was... What, Super Legend of Zelda, what do you want to call it? Well, there was... Well, there was Zelda, there was Zelda, you know, Legend of Zelda, Zelda 2, then this. And then they went off to, like, Ocarina of Time, which is, like, everybody's favorite. I but, might uh, have played Ocarina of Time. When did that come out? Uh, that was 2000-something. No. Never, never mind. No, <clears throat> no, it could have been two thousand. Maybe I don't know. It, it was a N sixty four game, but again, it's and it's on Nintendo sixty four, and their controller's bullshit and made everything you did a chore. So it was not a fun game. 
Plus, also, by the time that that game came out, uh, there were much better games on the PlayStation, so, you know, sorry, but fuck, <laughs> fuck Ocarina of Time. Uh, anyway, this is one of the games that really built the mythos of the Zelda games, because you had the two worlds that you're traveling in between. You had uh, a lot more of a mix between RPG and in the action elements. I mean, even more so than the first two games. Yeah. This had a actual story. <laughs> you know, there there's a lot of stuff where it's like because of this though, it also is where all the convolution of the Legend of Zelda storylines happen. And I'm never gonna go go into that, but if you really want to look it up, God be with you. <laughs> because trying to follow the bullshit that is the uh, Legend of Zelda franchise's lore, it, you might as well just... It, it's Hideo Kojima level of stupid and, and confusing. But, uh, yes, uh, get a chance to play this one. This is the best of the franchise. 100%. Uh, for a couple of arcade games, uh, first we're going to talk about Virtual Racing. Oh, yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, the first game in Sega's line of Virtua titles. It was a, a 3D F1 racer and was basically the reason why uh, 3D polygons became a thing. And really, this is also the game that was the foundation for a lot of 3D racing games that followed. Not just 3D polygons, but just racing games in general. Mm -hmm. And I spent a hell of a lot of time playing this one. Yeah. Because again, it. Oh my God! Look at this. This. This looks so real. I think the one that I spent the most on though was Cal. Was it California Rush? What was the one? With LA Rush. Oh, uh, there was San Francisco Rush. San Francisco and then, Rush, and there was. There's uh, Calif. Well, let's see. What was it? Shoot, maybe... Was it California Rush? I can't remember now. I'm starting to combine names of games. But it's something like that. Yeah, there, there was one that was basically like a, a drive through California. But there was like specifically like San Francisco Rush. And then there was like a future version of San Francisco Rush. I'm looking it up yeah, right I, now while you talk. <laughs> but yeah. So I don't have a ton of notes because really there's... You don't have a whole heck of a lot you can say about virtual racing because... Basically, if you looked at it now, it looks like dog shit because it's early 3D polygons. And it's just the most... Cruising USA. There you go. There you go. Yeah, because then there's Cruising World. Yeah. Well, these are that expensive was... as shit. Wow. Okay. Now, three things... Last two things we're going to talk about have something in common. Two of them are arcade titles. One of them is not. And see if you can guess what it is that they what they'll have in common by the time we get to the end of it. Okay. Okay, the first one is an arcade title, and it's Lethal Enforcers. And you had, uh, this is one of the earliest arcade games that featured digital sprites, that now you had this newer level of realism to your games, because these things actually looked like people. And when you shot them, they uh, died. And he went, ah! And <laughs> there was 
it is violent and oh my god you know it's like this isn't there were a hell of a lot better shooters that came before this oh yeah and instead of the gun being attached to you know like mounted on the arcade thing you actually could pick the gun up and swing it around it was that was that was kind of cool about it but uh, games did it better after it and a lot of these mounted games did it better before it but yeah the thing to really note about this was digital sprites with realistic looking people uh, the next one we did mention before is Night Trap on Sega CD this uh, interactive movie where you have to save a, a group of slumber party teenage girls from a bunch of vampires <laughs> who are stalking them and you're watching this through a bunch of surveillance cameras because that's not creepy in any nope, way not at all and you have to trigger traps in this house that is not yours <laughs> in order to save these girls it's basically the most crappiest pg-13 ist b-movie shit you know it's like the girls kind of had there's like i think one girl that has somewhat sexy lingerie on oh sorry not even just lingerie it's like a 90 scandalous but uh you know yeah they're they're in slumber party clothes but they're not it's definitely nowhere near as disturbingly uh, sexualized as some as many of the you know uh, slasher films that had come out in the eighties. And the creatures that are attacking them are the most silliest, dumbest things that you know. It's like what they had like what God? What do they even have? They have like uh, these weird like grabby claw things that would go like could go around people's necks and be like oh we're sucking their blood or something <laughs> it was it was so fucking pathetically tame like even at the time it was pathetically tame but uh you know there's some people who seem to want to have uh faux outrage about stuff and some people who really want to shove their morality down our throats about yep, things yep now, the biggest game for us to talk about is also an arcade game. Mortal Kombat! I was wondering if this was next. Is this that all three of them ended up in uh, leading Congress to force ratings on video games? Yep, this led to the, uh, the uh, video game hearings that uh, happened. Yes, Midway's Gortastic Fighting Game. You know, God, damn, this game led to a shit show. Yes, but it also didn't it free the companies into doing what they wanted to after that. Sometimes people, we talk about this with the music, and it seems like after that, if you were allowed to rate it, well, all of a sudden it made the artists like able to jump into a new. It's like when movies became R-rated. Every time one of these things happen, people lose their minds. But also, I think it frees people up creatively, like they can test boundaries constantly. Well, I will say yes and no to that. Yeah, you, if you had concepts that you know never would have gotten past before because everyone was trying to keep things to a PG level, now you could get you know get away with more. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of Mortal Kombat clones that followed this that uh, 
Pit that Fighter. Were, <laughs> that were not well. Pit Fighter came before this. Did it? Yeah, but it wow. But uh, yeah, this but Pit Fighter was barely you know. Let, let's be honest, was barely a game. Uh, but this yeah again, you had, you had characters that looked real because they were actually digitized uh, images of, of actors. Yeah. And when you punched the people, blood came blood came out. And you had finishing moves where you could kill, you know, kill your opponent in fairly tame ways. I mean, it was cartoonishly and, over the yeah, top. Like the like the most the worst one really, I think, is still uh, ripping off the guy's head. And even then, it's silly. I don't know if you've ever watched any like a compilation of fatalities from like the current games. No, I have not. Those are those are pretty fucking hard to watch at times because they can now do whatever they basically have carte blanche almost to do whatever you want and it's just like oh wow you're watching a guy getting his guts pulled out through his mouth okay gross and it's in you know considering how uh quote unquote realistic this is it was a lot more realistic now it's like these had these had a sense of stupid fun whereas I think they're just now trying to be as gross for the sake of gross yeah but uh, like with a lot of things this had a bunch of spin-offs uh, spawn movies cartoons comic books comic books like lots of things that were never age appropriate considering what the game was kind of targeted at a or, Monday guess, morning talk show hosted by Scorpion. Get over here! For my new episode. <laughs> I, uh, interview, yeah. I interview Polly Shore. <laughs> but wow, this. Uh, yep, this is the beginning of of not the end of video games, but the beginning of kind of quote unquote the innocence, I guess, of games. Yeah. Because, yeah, we, we had... Well, we had Splatterhouse and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and fucking Custer's Revenge and shit like that. Yeah, so. that's like, it's, yeah, but those were also very much outliers. This was thrown out into the... into a main, you know, main arcade thing. And, yeah, again, at this point, made people lose their fucking minds. So... Yeah, 93 is going to be interesting because we're going to have a long, long chat about uh, video game ratings and and all that. Plus then some also some other amazing fucking titles because yes, Doom comes out next year. And I spent a lot of time playing Doom. Me too. But uh, that's what I got for 92. Alright, that is it everybody. Where can we find you online? I'm on Twitter. At M Y U Z I S H I O N. That no. spells moon. <laughs> Are you still on twitching? Uh, I haven't done Twitch yeah. in a while. Keep saying I'm going to, but I gotta, I've never actually bothered to look up to how to hook up this thing to the internet. Um, uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, hit rewind. That's it, everybody. Have a good night. Like, share, Peace. comment. Tell me how low energy I am. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a long day, so if I sound like I'm not here, I am here. I try to be as much as I can, but I had a long yeah. day, and it's hot. Yo, oh my gosh, I had to walk home in that crap. Yikes. All right, that is it. Good night. Later.